Sometimes when something or someone is markedly different from what we're used to, our minds automatically jump to conclusions based on something or someone we had previously encountered, or maybe just read about and just seen on the news or even in a movie. Science explains that automatic response, which we all have to one degree or another, as the brain's attempt to maintain a sense of order within the high volume of sensory input all of us encounter every day, all day long. To put it mildly, it's the brain's attempt to manage the overload that is life in the 21st century. The trouble with that automatic response, if we're not careful, is that we get loose and sloppy with how we judge people and therefore how we respond to them, sometimes negatively, sometimes disrespectfully, sometimes fearfully, sometimes hurtfully. When I met Sarah Ansari and learned a little of her story, a little about her values, I couldn't not invite her to join me in conversation on this, the Big Picture Social Emotional Life Skills Podcast. I made it an assumption, too, that you, good listener, might have some curiosity about Muslim women's identity and how they fit into an America that seems to be leaning more strongly towards division than towards mutual respect regarding differences, which, as educators, I hope you agree, is an area of our students' life skills development that is our responsibility to constructively nurture. My name is Nini White. I hope and trust that you will appreciate Sarah's perspective, her grace, her intelligence, and the dignity of her heart as expressed through her answers to my questions and concerns. And with an apology in advance for the abrupt start to this interview due, some, due to some technical glitches. I'm sure I have a lot in common with my fellow Americans. Not really knowing about your culture your religion, how and how they intertwine. So forgive me ahead of time, okay? There is no such thing as a dumb question. <laughs> I like that mindset. I agree with that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess my first question is, what's life like for you in America as a Muslim woman? Life is amazing. <laughs> life is beautiful. Life in general is beautiful. <laughs> Um, we, we're living in this time, very interesting time. Um, it's a time of great opportunity, but it's also the time of great change. And we're living in this very noisy, very fragmented, very busy world. Everything is shifting and changing. And so many things we've held to be constant are becoming very fluid and shifting. And I think that's not just necessarily true of my life, but I think life in general, um, would you agree? I, I love that you're saying that, yes. And I think a big part of the problems in this world today is that some people want to not have change. And uh, how could that possibly happen in a, in, a, in a planet that obviously has been changing and growing and rearranging itself since it started? Yeah. And we are seeing the pace of change just accelerate. I think perhaps mm-hmm. what's different is that you know, since the advent of the internet and then, of course, smartphones, mm-hmm. we, we are only seeing the pace of change accelerate. And we as human beings perhaps are 
you know, not so, um, not, not adapting as, as fast as we, we would like. And that creates, you know, uncertainty and uncertainty is anxiety provoking for people. But I like to remind myself, you know, when I, when I start feeling that way, that this is also a time of such tremendous opportunity. And mm-hmm. I think when we look back on these times, decades from now, we will, we will look back and say, wow, that was, that was an exciting time. And we had such great opportunities and hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to say we made a difference, you know? And I think how the world is different now is also that we are more connected than ever, but you, yet we're also more alone than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find that a very interesting phenomenon in that here I am talking to you and, you know, you and I met, uh, you know, it's just a lovely serendipitous moment. I think we met on YC and mm-hmm. you're doing this beautiful podcast and I really do believe things happen for a reason. And um, here we are talking to each other right? <laughs> and, and uh, you know, a month from, from today, I didn't know who you were. You didn't know who I was. <laughs> so we're more connected than ever, but I think that, you know, most people, I certainly feel that way. There's so many connections yet, you know, we are not connected at the heart. And when, when I say heart, I think we, we, we crave that deeper connection with people that is being eroded because of the pace of change and because of all the different things that are going on around us and, the busy, noisy world that we live in. Um, at least I feel that way. W- would you agree? Absolutely. And also I feel that there's a, an uh, undercurrent that's quite strong. And when we've been in the ocean, we have found that the undercurrent can be very dangerous. And I'm seeing an undercurrent, and I think most none of us are very oblivious to it, or hopefully not, that there's an undercurrent to keep the divisions and and keep focusing on the things that are different between us, even though those differences don't have to divide us. And that's why it is so important to me that you and I have this conversation that others can listen to, to gain more understanding about what's different between your culture and mine as a fifth generation Californian, mm-hmm. but that really can doesn't have to have that dividing uh, influence. And, and that's what I'd love to bring out with you because, yeah, that's what I'd love you to share with us. I mean, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would love to. And mm. I think I want to I start, if I may, with a small quote from the Quran, which is mm-hmm. the holy book of Muslims, just like the Bible is for Christians and mm-hmm. you know, the Torah is for Jews. And the Vedas is for Hinduism. Mm. So, um, and incidentally, Muslims make up about, I would say, 20% of the world's population. So it is the second biggest religion observed in the world behind Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when sometimes I say that people, you know, are taken aback. It's like, wow, okay. Um, but what, I want to start with this quote from the Quran, which I find very beautiful. And it ties right into this uh, this this aspect of culture, this discussion of culture. And that is, we have made you nations and tribes so you may know one another. Mm. And what that means is, you know, when I, when I think deeply on the surface, it seems like a very simple statement, but you know, we could have been made all the same, regardless of whatever our belief or faith background may be or not, you know, yes, Uh, we could have, we could have just evolved or been all the same. Right. 
but creation is varied. Creation is diverse. We're all different, right? So whoever created us, however we came to be, it could have been that maybe we, we could have just been, you know, we could have just morphed into molecules that were all identical or creatures that were absolutely all identical. Right. But, but we're diverse by design. Yeah. We are diverse by design. We are also instilled in ourselves. There's a desire in, in, our, in us that's very deep to know and be known, you know? Yes. So, so, you know, when it's said in the Quran, we've made you nations and tribes. What that's telling me is that the creator, whoever that may be, has made us diverse by design. Mm-hmm. And why? So we may know one another, mm-hmm. not so we may fight one another, right. not so we may kill one another. Or overcome each another, other. Yeah. Right? Right. And there's something so beautiful in this very basic statement. And we have been made diverse so that we may know one another. Yeah. And I think that when we focus on that simple, you know, act of knowing one another, it, it is so beautiful and so deep. Um, and, you know, when you say our culture, Muslim culture, when you're looking at 20% of the world's population, is not really one culture. Yes. Know? Within Muslim culture, there are so many, many, many different cultures you know we have american muslims who mm-hmm. whose culture looks no different perhaps than yours mm-hmm. we have african muslims whose culture looks no different not very different to you know to the many many subcultures in africa so it really is you know culture is is a, is a very big and all-encompassing world word but i would prefer to say cultures uh-huh. so, so muslims are very diverse and Really, Islam as a religion, as a faith, the interesting thing about it is the analogy of a clear stream. And this is something unique to to Islam when it kind of spread throughout the world. And incidentally, it's a religion that was founded by the Prophet Muhammad in the 6th century. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, In the 6th century. So about 500 years after Christianity, approximately. Mm-hmm. But when Islam spread, it's very interesting. It kind of took on the vibe of wherever it spread so it's kind of like a clear stream Mm. at the analogy of a clear stream when a stream flows somewhere you can still see all the pebbles and the rocks and the fish and the whatever it is inside Mm -hmm. right so when islam went to china it took on chinese culture or became a very integral part of chinese culture yeah and when when it moved to say spain it was spanish culture so it morphed into it took on certain unique aspects of the place that it went so to answer your question muslim cultures are very diverse but there are certain sets of beliefs and practices that the faith kind of instills in in muslim peoples that govern sort of our daily living and our daily life and you know those are the commonalities that that i think you could maybe point to right and and those probably probably I would assume, I mean, just, I don't know, I think, I don't really think I know any Muslims, and I, I'm not proud of that, but it's so weird. I, I live in this uh, very white area of California, uh-huh. which uh, I'm not, it, it just is convenient, but I'm a little bit bored with it, because well, it's not interesting enough, and oh. the point I'm trying to make is that I want to know from you where I think you live in a much more diverse area of California Uh is that um, what do you see as the commonalities of the Christians that you come in contact with or the Hindus or the, you know, the other Muslims, you know what I'm trying to say here. What are the, yes, there are differences, but yeah. Yeah. 
I love I love that question that you brought you know you you brought into it other faith groups as well mm. so and that helps me answer that question because mm. it is uh, first of all you don't not know any Muslims you know one uh, you're talking yeah. to her yes right <laughs> right so yes. I would like to I would like to approach our our podcast as our little effort to know and be known and yes that's just really beautiful yes. but you know when you when you ask that question what are the commonalities uh, amongst say the Christians you see. So I would ask you that, you know, you live in a predominantly white, perhaps Christian, we don't know, you know, a town. And what are the commonalities? You know, certain sets of sets of values uh, and, you know, what would be common amongst Hindus. So again, in very diverse faith groups, it's hard to point to one thing. But I think if I were to, to maybe uh, attempt, take a stab at it even, I would say the commonalities are um, warmth, um, family orientedness, uh, um, uh, values of modesty, uh, service, um, and caring. You know, those are those are some of the things I think that I could point to. Those are humane qualities. Those yeah. are core qualities of of humane hearts and minds and spirits. Yeah. And they're not unique necessarily to, to Muslim cultures, but no. I think they're they no. very deep rooted, um, deep rooted in, in our cultures, plural. Yes, absolutely. Even people who actually, I used to be a Catholic, so I don't even have religion now. Uh, and, and I'm very, uh, I'm very okay with that and completely feeling very, the the benefits of a religion without a structured religion and every everything that you said just then I relate to completely so yeah yeah. one of the things about the Muslim faith is you know there is there is of course you know when we say religion it is it is a very loaded word so there's religion there's dogma there's scripture there's all that but then Mm -hmm. there's faith and there's spirituality Mm -hmm. another thing about islam i think like a clear stream running through wherever it goes is that you know deep sense of spirituality and you this is something else that you find when you travel through countries where islam took a root is that there was not necessarily an attempt to wipe out indigenous sort of Mm. thought processes or cultures etc i'll give you a very interesting example of um, the connection between california and islam okay yeah this this was something that that was that was news to me i hadn't really i hadn't this hadn't really dawned upon me in as clear a fashion up until a couple of years ago when i visited spain Mm. the south of spain and uh, our tour guide who was uh, taking us through granada he says oh let me tell you something about California. And I come from California. And, mm-hmm. and he was, incidentally, he was Jewish. Um, and his origin was he was from Britain. And he, here he was in the south of Spain, and he was working as a tour guide. Mm-hmm. One, and, he, and I said, well, what, what can you tell me about California and, he, and Islam? And he says, well, the root word from, of California is Khalifa. Uh. And I said, that's interesting, Khalifa. A Khalifa, a Caliph is a caretaker, is a, is sort of the, you know, it could be, it could be called the leader or it could be the king, but, you know, a Khalifa is a, a caretaker of a place, you know, 
you know, we like like a warden, like a person who who is given the charge to take care of a place is a Khalifa. And the word California comes from there. I said, well, that's, oh. very, that's very interesting. Now, I looked that very. up. Yeah, yeah, I looked that up. And and it's an Arabic word, by the way. Uh, So so I looked that up and sure enough, you know, there is, you know, a root word Khalifa. And of course, there are other etymologies of the word as well, but that's one of them. And that was news to me. The other piece of news was that, you know, all around us, particularly in Southern California, we see echoes of Spanish colonial, Spanish colonial, our Spanish colonial past. Mm -hmm. And incidentally, uh, you know, when the Spanish came to California, it was right uh, at the end of 800 years of Moorish rule in Spain, in Andalusia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all the echoes of sort of this Islamic Moorish past that we see all around us in California, in our architecture, in our, mm-hmm. you know, in, in so many things, actually are an echo of Spain's Andalusian Moorish past, which actually lasted eight centuries. Wow. Eight centuries. And we don't really see that necessarily on the East Coast. You know, when you look at the right. East Coast, the architecture is very different. The vibe is very different. But when you look at the West Coast, particularly Southern California, and of course, I live in San Diego. And yeah. I, actually, my house is right across from Presidio Park, which is right where the first Spanish mission stood. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I, I think it's not a small coincidence that I happen to be where I am, considering what I'm doing. But, yeah. uh, but I think that's just such a beautiful, beautiful coincidence. And incidentally, again, you know, digging down in history, 1492 is the year that Christopher Columbus discovered, you know, we call it the new world. Of course, it was always there, but that's when he discovered it. But 1492, October is when he actually, you know, found, you know, landed in the new world. Mm -hmm. And 1492, January, the very same year is when 800 years of Muslim rule in Spain ended. So the very same year. So when you if, you, if you put yourselves in the shoes of the Catholic kings, they're called, you know, the Catholic kings were Ferdinand and Isabella. They're both called kings, although one of them was a queen. Uh-huh. Isabella was a queen. But the Catholic kings, when they arrived in Granada, you know, and basically ended 800 years of Muslim you know, rule over Andalusia, uh-huh. they inherited all this Muslim art and architecture and way of living that was a very beautiful way of living because it was extremely inclusive. Uh, Muslims and Jews and Christians had been living in harmony for eight centuries in Spain. Uh, okay. For eight centuries. And you can see the echoes of that and, you know, the beautiful monuments and that beautiful way of life echoes of that, even today when you go there. Yes. Since they, since they came during that time, when they when Christopher Columbus then you know found the new world and when they started settling North and South America, especially California, a lot of that architecture and a lot of that you know sort of that vibe arrived here. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? So and also yeah. go ahead. And so you know that's the beauty and the commonality, that universality, that clear stream that kind of flows through everywhere it goes. Mm-hmm. That was- and, and the Spaniards came through Mexico too, and then they came northward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very. Cl- oh, that is fascinating. Is it fascinating? Fascinating. Um, so I want to ask you, like I'm. St- I'm sorry, this is embarrassing to tell you, but I'm just going to be completely frank. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get used to seeing women's heads all wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just so it just I relate to it like oh my gosh that looks so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and and why do they have to do it but maybe they don't have to do it but they choose to do it in America but in some places they have to do it Mm -hmm. and and what from your perspective can you help me to understand that and yeah yeah the practice of head covering um, in Islam is known as hijab Um, and hijab basically is a term that means modesty okay okay so the hijab is both the act of covering you know one's one's hair or one's face or you know depending on you know what degree people observe it uh it's all both the act of doing that and the actual physical item of clothing or the head scarf is also known as the hijab now interestingly the practice of head covering goes way back it's not something that is unique to islam it, the practice of head covering, the practice of modesty actually much predates Islam. If you look at, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you were a Catholic or of Catholic background. Yep. You know, when you look at all the pictures of the Virgin Mary, you know, who yes. is actually a figure that we also revere. Uh, is a mm. much revered figure in, in Muslim, you know, uh, in the Muslim faith as well. Mm. All the beautiful paintings that you see of the Virgin Mary in every single one of them, she's shown with her head covered. Yes. And she's typically head covered in blue. You know, it's yes. something if you look at Renaissance era paintings, etc. So it's very interesting that this is a practice that is not unique to Islam. This is a practice head covering much predates Islam. And the idea was that women who were revered, women who had important social status or women who needed to perhaps stand out or be known for their elevated status in their society Mm -hmm. covered. Okay. And they could be Christian women. They could be Jewish women. They could also be Muslim women. So this is where the practice originated that women who wanted to be known as women of special status would cover ordinary Mm -hmm. women who were perhaps, you know, women working in the street or women, you know, who were slaves or women who were, sort of you know out in the open did Mm -hmm. not cover okay now how that evolves into the modern practice of head covering by muslim women is that women you know as i mentioned islam is a very diverse religion with many many diverse cultures and subcultures yes and women cover their hair for many many different reasons um it is a matter of personal choice so there's no compulsion uh-huh. In Islam, to cover your hair or cover yourself in a particular manner, there is a, a, a great value placed on modesty, to be sure. And that uh-huh. is not just modesty of dress, even modesty of, of being, you know, humility and modesty and lack of ostentatiousness, you know, that, it, that, that is important. Um, but just in general, modesty of dress is important. And women choose to observe that in many different ways. Yes, in some cultures, it could be a matter of someone saying, oh, that is a religious imperative. You must cover. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, in some other subcultures, it might be that the women cover because it's a cultural imperative, not necessarily a religious doctrine, but they feel like, oh, my mother covered, my grandmother covered. Uh-huh. You know, so I should cover as well because that's how that's what our tradition is. Uh-huh. And in some other cultures, it might be that women cover because they want to be identified as Muslims and they want to be proud of what they represent. Uh-huh. You know, it is a physical reminder to them 
that this piece of cloth on their head signifies those values that they stand for, those values of warmth and kindness and connectedness and caring and modesty, okay? And, uh, and the deeper, deeper thing beyond modesty is that, you know, women for many millennia have been valued for our physical being. This is not unique to any particular faith or culture or yes. time. We have been valued for our physical qualities, our beauty, our shape, our youth, okay? Mm -hmm. And the act of covering oneself, you know, whether it's our, our bodies or whether it's our hair, also signifies I am more than my physical being, uh, much more than my physical being. I want to be valued uh, for, for what's behind my physical being, for my brain, for my personality, for what I bring to the table in terms of my creativity, my soul, and so on. Oh, yeah. thank you. That helps me so much yeah. because I was caught on the other side of understanding that what you just explained so, so um, in a way that really shifted my whole attention because I was, wow, it is I really have to digest that. That's so beautiful. But it I was thinking you. more like I was in Dubai uh, once and walking with women in hajib. Hijab. Hijab, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And next to women who were walking basically in bikinis, I mm -hmm. mean in crowded. And I was just wondering, what is it like as a woman in a hijab mm -hmm. to be in a crowd like that where there are women who are completely on the other end of the spectrum in their uh, clothing choices? <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's very interesting, Nini. Uh -huh. It's very, very interesting. Going back to the thought that women's bodies have been battlegrounds for millennia. Mm. Our bodies have been battlegrounds for millennia. Yep. Whether we choose to clothe a woman, a woman to, to control her or whether we choose to unclothe a woman to control mm. her, mm. if it comes to, from that place of domination and control, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't subscribe to that. You know, mm. I mm. think it's high time that we as women took back, took back our bodies and took back our choices and, you know, made people realize that we are whole beings and we are that we should be valued for what we bring to the table in terms of being whole beings with minds and souls. Oh. Right. So the act of head covering to me in its most beautiful form is an act of proudly reflecting, expressing my Muslim identity and also an act of defiance, you know, in that I am me, look beyond my physical being. Mm -hmm. There is so much more to discover. Beautiful. Now you, thank you. That is just so enlightening. And I really expands my whole understanding. I'd greatly appreciate that, especially the way you express it. I, you have a daughter, 14, is she? I have three daughters. <laughs> That's right. But your youngest daughter, it, do your daughters wear the head covering? No, we don't. And again, you know, going back to the cultural aspects. So we all dress modestly. Mm -hmm. We don't show a lot of skin. 
mm-hmm. but we don't wear the headscarf, you know, mostly because it was not a cultural thing when we grew up where we grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and our origin is Pakistan. Our, our family origin, mm-hmm. our family origin is from Pakistan. But before that, it is Turkey and the Middle East. Um, and just growing up, it's not something that my mother-in-law, I'm sorry, my mother or my grandmother um, or anyone did. So we just did not grow up with the headscarf. And mm-hmm. um, But that being said, I think we, we are deeply appreciative, mm-hmm. especially of women who choose to cover in this time of upheaval and change mm-hmm. and choose to be proud of their identity and choose mm-hmm. to be proud of expressing who they are because it is a it is a great responsibility you know when a when a woman goes out there and, with a headscarf with a hijab on her head she is going out there as an ambassador of the muslim yes. faith every single day and it's interesting um, there's a great responsibility on her to represent that very very big and diverse faith group in the most beautiful manner what a great responsibility that women and girls take on upon themselves when they put on the headscarf. And, and I appreciate your positivity. Uh, there's part of me that also is nervous for those women because mm-hmm. there, you know, there's the other element in this country mm-hmm. that would not be able to appreciate where that choice is coming from. And how do you live with that? Well, uh, you live with that because you are so rooted and so proud of the choice Mm. that you're making. Mm. And the choice that you're making is not only a reflection of your your identity, but also a reflection of how you want to be treated as a woman. You want to be treated with respect. Yes. And that's something that is that would be so important that any sort of uh, negativity that that might provoke is something very small. And ultimately, Nini, um, you know, we live in interesting shifting and changing and sometimes problematic times. Yes. But alongside those those times of uh, negativity and negative reaction are also so many opportunities for positive conversation, like you and I are having. Yes. Um, if a person, say, asks a, a, a woman who's wearing a hijab, oh, what is that? You know, uh-huh. there's an opportunity to then get into a beautiful conversation about what that is, right? Absolutely. And again, then we have further, furthered this idea of, you know, and be known. And, you know, that is not mm. limited to you asked whether my daughters and I cover our hair. We don't. Mm-hmm. But we, we dress modestly. And, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. because we are we are not Caucasian, we are brown, Uh, we get this question all the time, where are you from? Which is a very interesting question. (laughs) Very, very interesting question. Um, Because really, all of us here in this beautiful, beautiful country that is America, are from somewhere. (laughs) You know, we we are all we're a nation, we're a nation of people who came from places far and wide. And I I think when, when, when you talk about universe, here we are talking about cultures, I think what is common to American culture is the sense of positivity and possibility and opportunity and, and, uh, and of course, freedom and uh, equality. Uh, you know, equality is such a loaded word, but it's, 
it's like you, most people who came to this country at any given time came with this sense of this was a place where a place full of possibility where you could right. you could make you could you could make a difference you could build something beautiful yeah so that's the something to highlight and you know people ask that question you know where are you from and you know and of course you know we we explain you know where our where our tradition is from, where our family ancestry is from. And I think mm -hmm. then that invites the question of, of the person asking the initial question, where are you from? Right. 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 And, and that's an absolutely valid question. I think people absolutely. say America is a melting pot, but America, I think, is not a melting pot. America is a beautiful salad, you know? <laughs> it really is. It's a beautiful salad because you, know, you, you really should be. A melting pot is a soup where you don't really taste any of the ingredients. Uh... A salad is beautiful because you can you can see and yeah. taste all the separate ingredients, and I think that's just so much more, so much more delicious. And who wants to be having soup every day? <laughs> I love that analogy. Right? That is brilliant. Yes, yeah. it's so true. And yes, none of us wants to be a mush either, and just melting into one unidentifiable mush absolutely remember we made you nations and tribes so you may know one another another we could have uh, all been the same no so yuck different. boring yeah um well you know i could keep you forever but i know that you are a busy woman so i want to ask you uh, uh one more question because we met kind of in a business context or we were sharing uh what we do yes. with each other and this is not this is not a commercial podcast, but I want people to be able to see what it is that you're offering to, because you explained it to me as, as the way to increase awareness and appreciation of what your culture brings into this big salad. <laughs> yes. So uh, where can people find and look at what you offer in your a particular interpretation of of how to dress with modesty and grace and dignity. Yes. What would you like to tell us about that? Yes. So I'm the founder of Artizara. Mm -hmm. Artizara is a brand that embraces and then transcends the boundaries of a brand. Say that one more time. That is so profound. So Artizara, Artizara yes. embraces and then transcends the boundaries of a brand Mm. By expressing in beautiful balance the traditional dignity and contemporary relevance of Muslim heritage mm. as expressed through artful, meaningful products. Mm. So what we're trying to do, there is a very rich history of art in Islam. Mm -hmm. Every major museum that you go to, be it the Smithsonian or the Louvre or you know, even our San Diego Museum of Art here, has a section called Islamic art that has certain recognizable motifs and florals and geometric patterns, et cetera. That mm -hmm. incidentally, you see all around us in California in our architecture, and, mm -hmm. you know, very interesting. You, you will see them once you begin to recognize them, you will see those patterns all around you. Yes. These beautiful patterns and these beautiful, uh, those, these florals and these mosaics actually have a deeper meaning. And there is no brand that is ex expressing that aesthetic in beautiful lifestyle products. Mm -hmm. So Artizara, once again, is that brand. And what we, our goal is ultimately, our big picture goal is to connect and inspire hearts 
to, to know and be known, to connect and inspire hearts through yes. the deep beauty and diverse artistry of global Muslim cultures as expressed through these beautiful, meaningful lifestyle products. So what we carry right now is modest fashion. Mm-hmm. We carry beautiful handcrafted artisan jewelry, uh, wall art, and various types of gifts. And the understanding is that, you know, as we are in these times of great uncertainty, there is this, so- this sense of um, a loss of self. You know, people are, people are wanting to have meaning and purpose in their lives. And I think objects around us, whether it be clothes we wear or, you know, gifts we give or food we eat or art we have around in our home, Objects are very powerful and they express mm-hmm. who we are as people. Mm-hmm. And I think more and more the people, you know, young people and the consumers of the future will be looking to buy from companies that have authenticity mm-hmm. and that have meaning behind whatever it is they're trying to do and are providing meaningful products. So this is our way to, um, to tell the world and, you know, know and be known um, through the beautiful and deep artistry of uh, Islamic art uh, and the diversity of global Muslim cultures. You can find us online at artizara.com. That is spelled A-R-T-I-Z-A-R-A.com. And yeah, check us out. Oh, I have an... Uh... I tend towards modest clothing and I just think your clothes are, they, just what you said there, they combine traditional and contemporary styles so gracefully. And um, I just found your site just incredibly compelling and, and uh, delicious, (laughs) I must say. Thank you so very much. We actually are in the midst of a huge rebranding exercise. So Mm. more cool things coming your way in probably mid November is our site launch. And, you know, our, our meeting on Y Combinator was a, was a big part of that sort of pivoting and brand relaunching uh, uh-huh. process Fantastic. that we are going through right now. So, uh, so thank you so very much. I know it's been, it's been a, a little bit of a, uh, of a back and forth between us to get together, but it's so oh. delightful talking to you this morning, Mimi. And- oh, Sarah, thank you for squeezing out the time. I, I've been very greedy with you, and I feel a little guilty about that, but so, so grateful. So thank you. You're very welcome. And let's, let's catch up in person if you're ever down San Diego way. You can count on it. And you in Northern California. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. The Big Picture Social Emotional Life Skills Podcast is a non-commercial podcast, but I encourage you to visit Sarah's website. Just give it a look because I feel that her company's mission deserves to be acknowledged and shared and understood. Her company's website is www.artizara.com. That's A-R-T-I-Z-A-R-A. The mission at Artizara is, and I'm quoting here, we truly believe that people are alike in many more ways than they are different. The Artizara aesthetic is all about crossing geographic divides to create beautiful products that not only celebrate the deep richness of Islamic artistic heritage, 
but also find common ground among people of all backgrounds. We hope to help build a world where all people hold their heads high and celebrate their identity. On that note, please be sure to to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, because I intend to feature more interviews that will support all of us in doing more of the self-work we all need to engage in so that we may continue to grow our skills as anti-bias educators. Thank you.